This is the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast. Part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the best of today's Sports Channel 8, the radio show. Unleash Brian Geisiger and his teardown of Team USA basketball. <laughs> Is anyone actually having fun with this? <laughs> no, Not no. on Team USA right now, unfortunately. Um, but yes, despite having uh, obviously good NBA players, but maybe not the top level that you see mm-hmm. at, uh, at an Olympic event, and a lot of younger guys sort of getting their first yeah. time leading the team. They fell to they France f- in the quarterfinals today, 89-79. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second here. Uh, but a couple disclaimers. And I feel like uh, we, we may need a disclaimer sounder at some point because we have to do this a lot. Sometimes we will make jokes about serious issues. Today we will make no jokes, mm-hmm. obviously, about September 11th. The disclaimer is merely that we will probably not address September 11th a lot, but we will still choose to have fun during the show talking about other topics. Um, I find 9-11 a lot to be like grief in general where you can't really dictate how other people should handle it. So if there are people that, that choose this day to, to not work or observe mm-hmm. or um, walk down the uh, the halls of history and revisit, I know there's you know certain Twitter accounts that every year will do like a, a blow-by-blow of what was happening with, with George Bush at the time mm-hmm. or, or their own personal experiences. Certainly there are people um, with closer ties to the tragedy that took place there than I have that will take the time to – Remember folks who were, uh, p- perhaps if they lost loved ones, or perhaps uh, folks who had first responders were directly to it, or if you're just a family of a, a first responder, and uh, days like this remind you of sort of how they can at any time be called to put their life on the lines. So, um, but there are also folks who, um, you know, it's, it's currently not treated as a national holiday. I imagine there are folks who do that about Pearl Harbor Day as well, where mm-hmm. if you're a member of the military, it means a lot more to you. If you were there, it means even more to you. If you had family members and remember it. So we um, we certainly do not look over 9-11. I have a good friend who actually has a birthday on 9-11, and she's one of the few people who I always send a birthday text to because I'm like, I feel bad that uh, yeah. y- your, your birthday is now associated with a national day of mourning. So um, we make, obviously... We come here to have fun in this space. At times, we talk seriously. At times, we may even do something like take the Wayback Machine to 9-11 mm-hmm. and talk about all the sports tie-ins and how the world was changed. But for today, um, we will leave that to other places, other people, and we uh, respect and appreciate anyone who wants to take this day and, and do a, make it an all 9-11 remembrance. You might just take a moment and think about it. Certainly, I think it's one of those where everybody does a where were you. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the purposes of our show, we're probably going to talk more sports today than actual 9-11 stuff. If that's okay with you guys, I didn't run yeah, that necessarily no, by you, Brian. That, that works with me, and I, I well said. I, I'm happy that you addressed it here at the top. All right, and second disclaimer, second disclaimer, we're not talking about Antonio Brown, and I think we we didn't even feel the need to address this when we weren't talking about Antonio Brown on Monday, right. or Tuesday when we had more college football to talk about, or even Panthers to talk about, and Antonio Brown doesn't play for a local team or for a team that was playing a local team. So we don't care that much about him. And I believe there was already Antonio Brown fatigue setting in before the latest news dropped last night. Um, I was, I'm okay with it. I like the fun of sports. So I loved it when he showed up in a blimp. Yeah, that's cool. To to training camp. Love that Antonio Brown. Mm -hmm. I didn't even really mind when he was doing the helmet thing. 
Um, I, I kind of understand it's a personal preference to safety thing. I remember back in the day, I feel like when the NHL made people add face guards, there were certain people that like didn't want to do it. So they got mm. grandfathered in. They were like, hey, you, you want to do it that way? I w- didn't didn't bug me too much they want to do that. And a lot of his antics, I believe, were just part of the Raiders were on hard knocks. Mm-hmm. And so Antonio Brown was going to just do some crazy things because yeah. he knew that the cameras were following him. So I already had kind of moved past. And then there became the whole getting released. Did he want to get released? Was it an orchestrated movie? Yeah. I had had my eyes roll back in my head and stopped listening to the Antonio Brown stuff basically as the preseason was ending and I realized it wasn't just a hard knocks mm-hmm. thing anymore. Now, obviously, I only feel the need to address it because the very serious issue of sexual assault is involved. It is a civil uh, charge out against, or civil lawsuit being put against him, not a criminal charge. I believe that distinction is important to be made. And I also, and I say this, and I'll say this a lot during the course of our show, and I hope people don't think I do it mockingly, uh, David Glenn is a lawyer and comes on at 12 o'clock and will probably break down mm-hmm. these issues better than anyone else yeah. will locally. And yeah. I'm very happy to leave it yeah. to David Glenn, uh, a lawyer and my good friend, to break down exactly what the issues are uh, in a um, uh, a civil case versus a criminal case, what it means. I think I even heard some talk coming in here of the level of the lawsuit could make it a federal civil case mm-hmm. versus local, one of the different ramifications there. I do not have deep knowledge in that area. Um, I do... Uh, and, I, again, we've already addressed how Antonio Brown doesn't really concern us locally. I don't have the expertise to talk about it legally, but I feel at least the need to put the disclaimer out and say we do not take sexual assault or allegations thereof lightly. We also try to respect the process of, of authorities and, and, right. and courts. The, the allegations are incredibly serious and scary to read, like hard to read. And, and honestly, the, the letter that his attorney put out last night I actually found to be deeply problematic, too, in terms of, possible you know shaming and and sort of like shuddering of these allegations i mean they're they're i guess they're doing their job but that even that spooked me a little bit outside of all that i find antonio brown incredibly unimpressive and incredibly uninteresting and i'm so tired of talking about this guy that really isn't that cool or that clever and actually could very well just be a deviant too and yeah. so i'm just tired of this guy he's not worth anyone's time um, unless you're really trying to have a actually advance the conversation about uh, sexual assault, yeah. that's the, if you're trying to do that, then yeah, that that conversation should be had. As far as this guy, like, is this a distraction or not? What's the locker room going to do? Who cares? Yeah. God, who cares? So that's our disclaimer. We, uh, as Brian uh, said perfectly, sexual assault very serious. We mm. don't blow by that, but we will blow past Antonio Brown talk for the purposes of this show. And, uh, and leave it to others with a more legal background to, to sort out mm-hmm. exactly what's happening with him and, and what will happen next. Um, our, our thoughts are, are obviously with victims of sexual assault, um, no matter how this plays out. Mm-hmm. It's, the sad thing is it, it's a double-edged sword in that uh, these issues do raise more, more awareness of sexual assault situations, which is great. Um, but obviously the, then there's a lot more silly talk about it too. So we're mm-hmm. moving on uh, and moving past it. Let's talk about... First, Brian Geisinger, um, the Team USA loss that just happened to France because yeah. I believe, just like we said, there are things that we are not experts in. There are not many better experts at Team hmm. USA basketball than Brian Geisinger. I would bet there aren't many people who have watched as many minutes who weren't actually at the games covering them. 58-game international streak with NBA players, win streak snap this morning. I've seen most of those games, maybe all of them, honestly. Not, uh, not all the games 
of this tournament, all oh, 58 yeah, of that winning yeah, streak. Yeah, talking about like yeah, I, yes, I, yes. I, go, I go back. I knew to, what you meant. I just I go, make sure yeah, exactly. Clear. I go back to the '04 Olympics. Uh, certainly, the '06 World Cup team when when Coach K took over. Uh, yeah, the this team USA they dug a hole. They were down 10 at one point in this game. They came roaring back uh, with a huge run in the third quarter, sparked by like a defensive first lineup. They sat Kemba Walker. Uh, they were they went sort of small ball with Harrison Barnes and Jalen Brown as their four and five, Marcus Smart and Donovan Mitchell as the two guards, and they started to switch everything. And the guards for Team USA really dug in and did a great job front, fronting Rudy Gobert, the Utah Jazz center, yep. uh, the defensive player of the year twice now in the NBA. He was a monster. He was the best player on the court in this game. Um, but Team USA roars back. They get a seven-point lead. And then back down the stretch in the fourth quarter, Greg Popovich, obviously one of the GOAT coaches, one of the best. I, I worship at the, the Greg Popovich altar. But I actually didn't think his rotations were real crisp at any point in this tournament, especially in the Turkey game, which was a nail-biter, and in this game, too, which they, they lost by 10 points. Um, he came back with Kemba, and all of a sudden, then Team USA had to revert back to the defense they were using early in the game which was not switching on these high ball screens with Rudy Gobert, which was giving them lanes to the hoop, and Gobert was putting incredible pressure on the rim. Evan Fournier, who's a good shooting guard for the Illinois Magic, looked like, you know, you know John Wall or Bradley Beal out there. He was just incredible today, right. carving up Team USA in the pick and roll. And Kemba really struggled down the stretch. Um, he was just 2 of 9 shooting in this game. USA minus 13 with him on the court. You know, it, it is sort of one of those things where – We've seen this in Charlotte the last couple of years where the team really didn't have much of an offensive identity outside of it's close late in the game, spread it out, we're going to run Ooh, pick and roll with Kemba. Are you Kemba. saying Team USA turned into the Hornets? That's not – I mean, that's I, not, that's never I, good. I was talking with my – I was texting with my buddy Uh-oh. Spencer Percy from from Buzzbeat, the Buzzbeat podcast this morning and was like, wow, we have seen this horror movie <laughs> like at least 200 times over the last four years. Um and yeah, it was just interesting. They went on this huge run where they they flipped the score by 17 points, and, and then, they never went back to that lineup. They never went back to that combination. And that, granted, Kemba has been this team's best offensive player in this tournament, no matter I, no doubt. So I understand why they went to him, but it was just interesting for them to opt out of a lineup that had been effective for them and that it actually crushed their. While it hit hurt their offense because Kemba had a rough night shooting, it then crushed them on the other side of the court. Because the strategy that had been working against these Fournier, Neil Aquina, and Gobert ball screens all of a sudden just went, blew up in smoke. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, now they're going to be in the fifth place game against Serbia, which they could very well lose because Serbia is arguably the best team in this tournament. And, and yeah, I mean, Team USA could be heading home with a sixth place loss, which is exactly what happened in uh, 2002 at, the Indi- at Indianapolis in the 20 the 2002 uh, World Cup. Team USA, maybe we should start sending NBA players. Maybe oh, we wait, should. Oh, no, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. The one uh, thing is maybe, I guess, if you want to like flip this around, maybe you think, um, hey, in 2020, I already thought some of the, the headliners would come back because it was the Olympics, it was in Tokyo. Right. Um, maybe this does inspire uh, guys to come, you know, LeBron to play one more time or Curry to play or Harden or you get some of the, some of the headliners to yeah. maybe come back I and mean, play next summer. Guys, I mean, uh, well, I was going to say some of these guys are going to be old though. No, I know. I, no doubt. And Kobe played in 2012 when he was pretty old as well too, but yeah. you're right. Like I, at this point, I'm guessing guys like Chris Paul and LeBron James, their international careers are probably over. Really? But maybe not. Maybe they could come back and play one more time. Maybe. Uh, I mean, this team could have used the big fella. They could have used Zion, and like he would have been awesome on this team. 
they needed a small ball center, um, and he would have been because they were just Harris and Barnes became the small ball five for them. And he played, he had an okay tournament, but it was a little too much Harrison Barnes. And Brooke Lopez and Mason Plumley had really rough runs at, at the FIBA World Cup. So, yeah, Zion actually would have been awesome to have had on the court today. Uh, Brooke Lopez suffered on and off the court being left off of uh, group text because he didn't that's have right. an iPhone. That's right. And not making it to dinner. He's we the, uh, that he's the, the Hayes Permar of Team USA. Yeah. Got yeah. that Android. I, I feel you, Brooke Lopez. Yeah. All right. So, Team USA goes down. You got your three point shooting percentage, then, too, out there. <laughs> I played pickup with you, Permar, a couple times. Hey, I, but. I, I keep it at zero, but at least I'm zero for zero, right? Right. I'm right, only right. taking threes if the shot clock's running down and the ball's in my hand. Right. He was I two of fourteen and from threes uh, could, in this tournament. I could be. I could go three for fourteen. They were all wide. Most of them were wide open. I could go three for fourteen. International oh, line. It's even closer. It would have been cool because, like you said, there are a lot of uh, local ties. Harrison Barnes. Um, Kimball Walker, Kim, yeah, Kimble Jason Walker. Tatum, who didn't play today, he made what he was a game time decision. He didn't play. Maybe he could have played on Friday. And uh, Plumley, Plumley, yeah, there were several. Uh, you know, and I think no- initially Nate McMillan was supposed to be on the coaching staff, and then that it ended up being Steve Kerr and Jay Wright and yep. Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce instead. Um, but so that would have been nice if they had won because it's actually going to be a sneaky huge stretch for North Carolina sports, right? Because mm-hmm. we spread our football games out. Normally, it's not just the weekend. Check this out. Tomorrow, we've got Tampa Bay Bucks at Carolina Panthers, primetime game. That's Thursday. Come watch with us at the Carolina Alehouse in Cary. I'll be buying somebody's dinner, so come out to that. But also tomorrow at 9 o'clock, the ACC schedule release right yeah. in the middle of the Panthers game. Um, so you can look at that during halftime at the Panthers game. And if you're thinking, why are they doing it at 9 o'clock? Right? Isn't that something you could just put out during the day and then everybody would talk about it on it's sports radio? It's usually how it goes. I was like, I was thinking that too. I was like, I feel like it used to come out at, at 11 and then, you know, you could yeah. mention it on the DG show when I was producing over yeah. there. But, oh, no, 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 no. We've got a network now, baby. Yep. And that's prime time scheduling. Mm-hmm. ACC basketball schedule release. So Syracuse fans can watch in. UVA fans can watch in. Louisville a, fans can watch in. On the ACC network at 9 tomorrow night, there's going to be a one-hour special, including Jay Bills is going to be on this. It's going to be hosted by Jordan is. Cornette. Of yeah, course Bill they is, are. Yeah. One-hour schedule release. That's tomorrow. Then Friday night, we get Wake Forest at UNC. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard. Mac is back. Mac is back. Wakey Leaks, Mac is back. I'm, this is a big game. I'm hyped, actually. Uh, the it's only thing fun. that's missing, we needed West Virginia to be at NC State. Yeah, NC State cool. is at West Virginia. West Virginia looks bad versus Missouri, which means that State could have a very good chance of beating them and being 3-0. and And even if West Virginia's down, it still mm-hmm. usually seems like a good win to go into Morgantown and, and, uh, and beat somebody. That game kicks at noon. Um, so, so even yeah. though they're not in Raleigh, still they a still new get kickoff the new kickoff. The they did, although we did get announced this week, the Ball State will be seven. So Thursday night, Bucks Panthers. And I thought there was schedule. too much happiness about that. Like <laughs> everyone, State fans were just going crazy <laughs> on Twitter, and I get it. But it was like, yeah, but for this game, I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean now now they got something to cheer about because Alabama's trying to steal their thunder, complaining about noon games. That's right. So, um, so Thursday, Bucks Panthers and ACC basketball schedule. Friday, Wake UNC, and then Saturday, State West Virginia, ECU's got Navy, and Duke's at Middle Tennessee State. Again, bad that either Duke or State couldn't be at home. You could have a nice little football trek starting mm-hmm. Thursday in Charlotte, working your way east. Um, yeah, it'd be even better if East Carolina were at home, you know, like at night, and yeah. you could do Thursday uh, at at Bofa. 
Friday at uh, BB&T Field, Saturday somewhere in the Triangle, which, again, we're missing a big game. Maybe we'll have to find a – I'll bet there's a game being played somewhere locally on Saturday. You know the, you know, some press member would have loved to have done that. To be the that's, guy? That's like multiple – That's got Sean Crest written all I'm over. I'm telling you, man, that's like – you're like, well, I've got eight meals this weekend, and like at least five of them are coming from stadium food the here, North, maybe. <laughs> the North Carolina road trip. <laughs> I've told you on the other side that I've figured out the secret to the Patriots' success – And if you listen to our Saturday show, you may have heard me share the secret before. Tom Brady is excellent. He's great. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I personally don't think he's as good as, you know, Aaron Rodgers at just like Mm -hmm. raw quarterback skills. I agree. But he's also teamed with Bill Belichick, who might actually be the greatest football coach of all time. Certainly in the conversation. It it helps that he's surrounded by Neanderthals (laughs) all around him. But... The secret to the Patriots' success is the dumpster fire of a division that they have been playing in throughout the course of this dynasty. These guys suck! I mean, that line was written for the AFC East. The Dolphins, because they went undefeated that one time and because Dan Marino played for them, that's the only thing keeping them from being remembered as just a woebegone, moribund franchise. just that's, They have like that one undefeated season, one great Hall of Fame quarterback that hasn't played for the team in like 30 years, and the, that's the only thing that keeps the Dolphins from being thought of as we think of teams mm-hmm. with misery, like the Browns and things like that, right? So the Dolphins are basically a terrible franchise. Yeah. Their, most, their biggest headline this offseason was their coach playing Jay-Z at practice to like own his own players. They're terrible. And, and again, they're historically terrible. And only Dan Marino and the undefeated season keep them from being thought of as like one of the doormat franchises of the entire NFL. And that's the most respectable franchise in the AFC East besides the Patriots. Because the Bills and the Jets are two of the most losingest associated with losing, Mm -hmm. thought of as terrible before you even begin looking at the roster franchises of all time, right? The Jets are hapless. You know, they do dumb things. Occasionally will overspend on a big player after a mediocre year and then think that's going to take them to the next level. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Terrible, the worst. And then the Bills, sure, they made four straight Super Bowls. That's a tough feat. And again, this is now 30-year history. <laughs> they went to four straight Super Bowls? Yeah, they, how many did they win? At least two, right? Uh, I mean, odds are you'd win There's two. no way they lost all four they, of them. I mean, that would be the losing They lost all four of them. Oh, man. Even your most successful moments are known for their epic failures. You know how bad the Bills are. I spent two seconds looking for Dolphins and Jets things and found them like that. I've got nothing for the Bills. Well, if you're going to find Bill stuff, it's going to be Bill's Mafia videos, which is like drunk 31-year-olds pile-driving their friends into tables that are on fire at tailgates. Mm. So apparently, again, I would love a study of if the – I need some stat nerd who could break it down, and then you'll just get, you know, peed on and cussed at all over by Boston Sports Media when you come out with it. But that's okay. I just want to see it, of what the analytics analytics would look like running – season demos of the past 15 years, but putting the Patriots in an average division, a division that's not terrible. Because apparently now it's not enough that the Patriots get to play in the AFC East. 
with their dialed in like five and one divisional mm-hmm. record, which allows them to do things like have number one seeds and rest players in the last two games of the season because they've already clinched the division and the number one seed. And you know what? They don't even they don't even have to lie or deceive their opponents <laughs> about scheduling. They just are given an easy schedule yeah. every year. It's amazing. It's uh, it's weird. They, they they don't have to lie or deceive their fellow coworkers. It, it, they just they just they're given this good if schedule. If they could cheat their way to a better schedule, they I don't would. know why that was on my mind this morning either. Too, it's weird. It's not enough that they get to play in this week. Division. Joke of a division. Now we're just handing them wins for the first 10 weeks of the season, it looks like. Because I believe I saw a stat that the Patriots' first nine opponents missed the playoffs last year. (laughs) Now, okay, they started out with the Steelers, who in theory are a respectable franchise, but as we know, in the past two seasons, have lost their two best players, who may have been the two best players at their position in the league, Mm -hmm. right? Le'Veon Bell gone, Antonio Brown gone. So Pittsburgh out. Let me hit you with what the Patriots have coming up next. Be prepared for this murderer's row of football teams. You ready? This weekend, the Patriots take on the Dolphins. A team just lost their opening game 59-10. to did I get that right? I typed it in there wrong. I know it's something in the 50s. Yeah, I just know they're not trying to win games this they year. They gave up 50-something points, and they are tanking. The Dolphins are terrible. That's who the Patriots play next. After that. They lost 59-10. to 10. Yes, 59-10. to 10. Mark Jackson right. carved them up. I did have it right. So, the Patriots, after beating the Steelers, they now have the Dolphins, a team that lost their opening game 59-10. to 10. <laughs> After that. And you may have missed this on the schedule. The Patriots will take on the Millbrook High School Junior Varsity team. Mm, that's, that's tough. Week three of punch. That's look, tough. The, their only loss right now is to Wake Forest, and they're coming off a big win where they put up 43 points. So I'm not. I am not dismissing the Millbrook JV team. I just don't think it's quite the test. Let's go Wildcats. <laughs> Let's go the Wildcats. Their secondary is strong. So we yeah. go Dolphins, Millbrook JV. Then they have the Jets. The Jets, who in week one led 16 to nothing, only to lose 17 16 <laughs> against Josh to the Allen. Bills. Yeah. Good Lord. So it goes Dolphins, Millbrook JV team in week three, then the Jets. Then after the Jets, they play the Bills, a team that fell behind 16 to nothing to the freaking New York Jets. I don't even care that they won the game. You got to be bad to fall that far behind the New York Jets. So it goes Dolphins, Millbrook JV team, Jets, Bills. Next up, the Patriots will face a team of circus seals who have to balance the ball on their nose and bounce it from man to man. Now, while this skill in its own right is impressive, you should mm-hmm. see these seals do this. I mean, they it's I've even seen them complete like a 15-yard bounce. One guy could sort of bump it up three times so it gets really high <laughs> and then whack it 15 yards, and the other seals could bounce it. I mean, it's, it's amazing, but I just... I just don't see them being able to carry this out against an NFL defense. So the Patriots, after beating the Steelers, face the Dolphins, the Millbrook Junior Varsity team, the Jets, the Bills, a team of Circus Seals, and then after that they face a team that's even worse than a team of Circus Seals. It is the Washington football team Mm -hmm. who, let me just remind you, still owned by Dan Snyder. I actually might play my friend Burgundy Blogs. His good buddy of mine does uh, a has done a blog and a podcast now for years. He and I are podcast network partners. Uh, 
<laughs> and his, he just did sort of like a two minute, and it wasn't like a rant and then mm. he was yelling, but just the language that he used for why he continues to do this was just amazing. And he was mm. like, nothing has changed with the team. The ownership and leadership is still terrible and you know, all these things, but I'm a fan and you guys are fans and let's all do this together was that type of thing. So, Patriots schedule. We are at Dolphins, Millbrook JV team, then the Jets, then the Bills, then a team of Circus Seals, <laughs> then the Washington football team who just benched a healthy Adrian Peterson last week, and he was their team MVP last year. He was their offensive MVP last season, still healthy, still got something in the tank. They benched him and had a terrible running performance. That's Washington. After Washington, the Patriots will face ESPN's NFL studio crew. They got like a full, there's like 22 guys in there yeah, now, right? They got it. They got it too deep in there. Watch those producers, man. The only yeah. thing is, it won't include any of the former NFL players because that actually could be a decent team if you got like Moss and yeah, but they, Talbotson. But they got they got Rex Ryan in there, right? He's, he never <laughs> yeah, beats the Patriots. They, he used to coach the Jets <laughs> and the Bills. <laughs> He's losing to them again. God. All right. So, so again, the Patriots. Schedule includes the Dolphins, the Millbrook JV team, then the Jets, then the Bills. I keep saying Bills wrong. Mm. The Bills, then a team of Circus Seals, then the Washington football team, then ESPN's NFL studio crew for a Thursday night game. That's going to be a big primetime matchup. Then they get the Giants. <laughs> the Giants, you know. the Bum, pa- Bum Garner's the, pitching well. The big, yeah. <laughs> the big yeah. Patriot killers, the Giants. Who just got blown out 35-17 to the Cowboys? Our only hope is that Daniel Jones has taken the quarterback range at that, by that time, point. It's the, the only hope. Actually good. Yeah. Hall of Famer, Daniel Jones. Oh, guess what? Then they get the Jets again. Mm-hmm. And then they get the Browns, who we heard were back, but then lost to week one and actually aren't that good. After the Browns, they will face the 2011-2012 Charlotte Bobcats. The 7-59. Somehow, <laughs> somehow, they made it on the Patriots' schedule. And then after that... Before they get into the meat of their schedule where they actually right. play like the Ravens <laughs> and somebody else, right. they get a Sunday night game versus the 2001 Duke squad with Carl Frank as the coach that went 0-11. So, here are your next 13 or 14 <laughs> weeks of Patriots football. It goes, hapless Dolphins, a good Millbrook J- JV team, <laughs> a Jets squad who just blew a game to the Bills, a Bills squad who fell behind 16-0 to the Jets, Pathetic. a team of Circus Seals, the Washington football team, ESPN's NFL studio crew in a flag football match. The Giants, who stink unless Daniel Jones is back. The Jets again. The crappy Browns. The 2012 Bobcats. And 2001 Duke Blue Devils. That is your New England Patriots remaining schedule until they play the Ravens or somebody like that. They got the Chiefs in December. It is ridiculous. In December, three months from now. Ridiculous. They, they asked to have that game placed. They're like, you know what? We'll probably be playing the Chiefs in January. Can we get them one time so we can get a look at them like, you know, in December? Honestly, during Brady's time, who's been the second-best quarterback in the division since he like arrived? Oh, Is it Chad Pennington of the Jets? I, like, I mean, I'm serious. There hasn't oh, been give one. some Geno Smith love. Like, Come oh, on. I mean, it's just absurd. Unbelievable. It is absurd. Tyrod Taylor. They pushed Drew Bledsoe out the door. He went to Buffalo. It's ridiculous. I mean, God. God. We're out here against Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and a Heisman Trophy winner who may not be great, but, like, respectable. He's, st- he's better still- than anybody in the AFC yeah. East. Yeah. And then they still get other teams like Washington, 
the Giants and the Browns on their schedule. They got a tough. They got a tough game at Cincinnati in December. Ryan Finley. Well, and the uh, Millbrook JV game is on the road too. That that's, true. Be yeah. that's true. That'll be that's true. That'll be hype. That's already sold out. Off Spring Forest Road. <laughs> I might go to that game. Yeah, ridiculous. You may, may have to soak that one in. Get, get your uh, credential. Yeah, that's right. But joining us now, in order to take us in the wayback machine, is our man Ben Swain. Swain, what's going on? What's up, Permar? Hey, uh, we've been promoting them, but you mm-hmm. dropped them in there. Solid work with the Big Daddy Cane Bumps today. Anything else you want to yeah, tell us the, about Cane Daddy? The Wayback Machine is going all the way back to September 10th to uh, to celebrate <laughs> Big Daddy Cane's birthday. Yes, we are taking it back to September 10th. Um, and anything else you want to tell us about Big Daddy Cane? Is he, is he a Durham guy or a Raleigh guy? I know he's in the Triangle. Has he lived Raleigh. in both? Uh, he's lived in both. He, he's from he's from Brooklyn. He's lived in both. Uh, but he has shouted out Durham on a few tracks. BG already mentioned the Welcome to Durham collaboration with uh, Little Brother earlier in the show, uh, and that was that was the big one. So yeah, he's he's a local favorite around here, uh, one of the pioneers of hip hop, and uh, you know rightfully one of the greatest ever to do it. Um, and then I don't know if you heard us mention this earlier today, but I found out that he uh, was on he's in Madonna's Sex Book. It's like how many people can say that? What an yeah. Odd... He's the, the one thing you didn't mention is he's also in the North Carolina Music Hall of Fame. Excellent. Excellent. Good on you, Big Daddy Kane. Which I think is, uh, I think that's on par with being in Madonna's sex book. <laughs> it's about the same. All right, let's crank up the Wayback Machine and send it back in time. Ben Swain, where are we going today in the Wayback Machine? We're going all the way back to uh, November of 2016 and, and a good lesson in why it is important to keep tabs on your random ACC players. <laughs> because you never know where they might end up, You right? never know where they're going to end up and they're going to show up again. So November 16th, 2016, our buddy uh, Country Dan Collins breaks the news in the Winston-Salem Journal that the Wake Forest football staff found confidential documents left behind in the press box in Louisville after a 44-12 to loss. Dave Doran had to say, we are concerned that there was some type of security breach I've shared it with AD Ron Wellman, and we are doing everything we can to make sure all of our information and data is more secure moving forward. Hayes, you may be wondering why data wasn't secure in the first place. Yeah, well, and when we first heard about it, that's what it was. It sounded like, you know, that maybe they had left a, a, a playbook out and that somehow Louisville had gotten a, a hand of it. And maybe Dave Clawson didn't even know at the time how they got it. They just found, I guess, what was the wake or parts of the wake playbook in the Louisville locker room, we came to find out uh, a lot more about how it came to get there. So the random ACC player that we're going to talk about right now is Tommy Elrod, who was a former <laughs> player at Wake Forest, a former assistant coach at Wake Forest, and then turned color analyst for the radio show covering Wake Forest. And it came out that it wasn't just this one game. It, he had been leaking plans to opponents since 2014. So for two full years, this dude, Tommy Elrod, was leaking uh, game plans from Wake Forest, the team that he covered, to Wake Forest opponents. Uh, Most notably, uh, Army and Virginia Tech were involved in this as well, where discipline took place. You guys already mentioned UNC has since hired Jay Bateman from Army, who was uh, disciplined for his role in Wakey Leaks, and Lonnie Galloway from Louisville, uh, who was responsible for 
being Elrod's contact uh, for this. We well, wanted to give a shout out to uh, to Sam Walker, I believe is his name. Is that correct? Yep the the voice of the Outer Banks, Sam Walker, uh, does great work out there. He, uh, uh, as far as I can tell, he's the man who coined the great phrase <laughs> because at the, at the time also WikiLeaks was a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So he yes he uh, coined the phrase WikiLeaks, I believe. Which is just uh, an incredible term and, and tied everything together quite nicely. But yeah, this this at some point has I, I'm not I don't even want like a 30 for 30 style documentary on the AC network. I want a drama, like a, a movie ah. made about this with actors and everything. Not, not the OJ 30 for 30. Excellent documentary. More the FX David yeah, Schwimmer the, the, as the lawyer. The, yeah. The, the <laughs> like, people versus the people versus Tommy. Elrod. And I, I want it. I want, if not David Schwimmer, I want some like former big names, like the same people that are doing the Sharknados now. I want the Tommy Elrod story, Wakey Leaks, uh, <laughs> you know, shock full of people that used to be in 90s sitcoms and things like that, that we still think of as their character, just to make it that much more chef's kiss. Mwah. Yeah, so uh, please please hit us up and let us know who you want, to play, uh, actor-wise, to playing play the roles in, oh, involved in, in Wakey Leaks. We know who plays Clawson, though, right? <laughs> it's the it's the trainer guy from Night at the Roxbury. Right, that guy. I don't know that actor's name, but it's definitely that guy, right? This, this, all right. This, we actually should do this a full thing of like staffing the whole Sports Channel Eight. As far as I mean, staffing the whole Wakey Leaks movie by Sports Channel Eight. As far as I know, Tommy Elrod has never like done an interview, right? I, I mean, I don't think we've ever heard. But the 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 thought was that he didn't like the new staff that he was kind of tight with the old Wake Forest staff and was sort of secretly undermining them through his role as a color analyst. Isn't that what our understanding came to be? Yeah, that's, that, that was the uh, evidently the reason behind this is, is kind of his progression away from being involved in the coaching staff to being just, just on the radio side. And, uh, yeah, he didn't like the new staff coming in and changing things up, and so he decided to get back at him. And then I forget who was uh, – was Shane Beamer disciplined at Virginia Tech? I feel like somebody with a, with a pretty big name was, was one of the people receiving information at Virginia Tech. Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I got to I gotta go look that up. BG, do you remember know. who was disciplined at Virginia Tech? I swear I, I thought. I do not know off the top of my head. I'm, I'll be looking up, up that, that up as we go through other things. But I thought maybe Shane Beamer was involved in Wakey Leaks. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, right. so we'll start, yes, we'll start working on that. Uh, we'll start working on that screenplay. Uh, <laughs> the, the Wakey the, Leaks. The original, the, the people versus uh, Tommy Elrod. It on, is. Uh, Shane, Beamer was, Shane Beamer was fine. Nice. I, I remember yeah. that because, all, because, like, not to – presume anybody's father-son relationship but if your son works for you on your staff and he's getting like that information you've got to think that frank beamer knew about it too even if they didn't have any way to tie tie him to it so just an all-around amazing situation i think it would that would have overlapped with the the famous wake forest virginia tech 0 0 game <laughs> in 2014 too i'm that, pretty sure that's in the in the wakey leaks window that's what they used for wakey leaks yeah and then this is actually continuing as we we discussed earlier and swain just told you there with unc having two wakey leaks participants or re- receivers if you will on their staff dave claus was actually asked about this yesterday at his press conference and he basically said, I'm not going to talk about it. Nothing would be furthered by me saying anything about it. But I have a good authority that in the part after the press conference, where he sort of maybe mills around with uh, reporters and says things off the record, that he said, 
he was thinking more than he uh, liked to have said, and he wasn't going to say much hmm. about it at all on the I podium. I like it. But that he might have told a gathered like throng there that he had some more thoughts that he uh, was not going to share there. So, Waking Leaks is very much in play this Friday. Not not that there are Waking Leaks continuing, but the uh, the aftermath thereof. All right, Swain, when you take us in the Wayback Machine, you also like to take us to that time and talk about what else was going so we can remember not only the great ACC event that was Waking Leaks, but all the other stuff that was happening culturally around it. Uh, what's What are you finding in the Wayback Machine this week? Yeah, so we're going to start with the uh, the soundtrack to our ACC Network movie, uh, which it takes songs from that period. And the number one song at the time, one that's near to our heart, Hayes, mm. is uh, Closer by the Chainsmokers. Ah. Yes. was the number one song at the time, and we've done a uh, parody uh, version of that. Um, um, actually, I, I've got beef with the Chainsmokers. Because whatever their freaking, you know, music company or big mm-hmm. conglomerate that makes billions of dollars, you know, off of writing formulated songs that yeah. teenagers... Did they make us take it down? Download. Yeah, we got a takedown notice on Twitter because of a Chainsmokers Ugh. song. And I wrote all the words that I sang myself, okay? And I did a cool video. I like YouTube for a long time to try and f- mimic their video where, yeah. like, writing's going across the screen. Yeah. That was a great creation. Now, I'm almost as pissed at whoever their moneymakers are, as I am at UVA basketball, who I predicted to win the championship in that song, mm-hmm. and then they lost in the first round, yeah. only to win the championship the next year. We said Virginia beats Villanova. Villanova, Villanova went on to win the title. It should have been UVA over Villanova. So, yes, forget that song and forget the Chainsmokers. Wait, I'm sorry, what? Uh, Virginia lost in the first round? Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. It was to a 16 seed, if you, if you didn't know we, that. We just actually blew, You could have seen that out your uh, left side window in the Wayback Machine. We just, we just, we just passed it. We just passed it. It, to right. get to WikiLeaks, so maybe on the uh, way, we're, but... we're going to move on. We're going to move on from these lies because there's no <laughs> way a, a one seed ever lost to a sixteen. When, when we were going past it, though, it, it was we, it was still going slowly, though, like the Virginia game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else was big in the music scene? And, and we know that DeAndre Hunter was not there. That's he, was not, he was not. He was not. He was in the Wayback Machine with us. With laughing. us, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. We're going to hit on. We're going to hit on another piece of music from this time that is a hot button issue for me. A a top song was Juju on that beat. Yep. Which I don't know, Ray. Do you have it queued up? No. Yeah. <laughs> I respect no. the honesty. Is, is Rand <laughs> still there? Do not have it. Yeah, Rand's still there. Yeah, no. Rand's around. Okay. When this song starts, I've got my headphones off. <laughs> literally, everyone gets hype. Right. Everyone gets hype when they hear the beginning of the song, and then reactions vary once the verse kicks in because half of the people think it's going to be Nuck if you buck. And the other half think it's going to be Juju on that beat. And whoever is disappointed is greatly disappointed by it. (laughs) So this also led to a pretty big craze at the time, which was post your video of you doing the Juju on that beat dance. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Another big uh, video challenge at the time, which was a song that was rising up the charts, Black Beatles. Mm. Which was the, uh, the the video challenge where you are just like a statue, right? Like you yeah, you have a crowd right. of like thirty people mm-hmm. that are standing as still as you possibly can in different in different uh, poses and whatnot, and it's like this tracking shot of you and your crew just standing still to uh, the Black Beatles track, the Mannequin Challenge, the Mannequin Challenge, the Mannequin Challenge. Yes. Thank you. I didn't do it had a, a name, the official yeah. name. I'm going to blame both of these songs for the death of Vine, which we've already identified as the greatest <laughs> social media platform of all time. 
because Twitter started to take Twitter, Twitter owned Vine, right? right. Vine was its own thing and it was, it was great and perfect and beautiful and magical uh, in every way. And once these two things kind of took off and people started doing these six second video challenges, Twitter brought Vine and tried to integrate it in with Twitter and just killed Vine entirely. Yep. And uh, December of 16 of that year was the last day mm-hmm. that Vine existed. And uh, I'm still sad about that. I lost because the, the computer that I had this on that I originally uploaded it to Vine, uh, the the Panthers fan in a NASCAR jacket going, <laughs> Oh, my yeah. God. Yes. Woo! I lost that. I missed Again, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there Darn. with you on Vine. I will say that, that perhaps these song dance challenges uh, were the death of Vine, but maybe the birth of TikTok, if you will. Because mm, um, that seems to be where all those things come from now. Uh, what else is on the soundtrack for the Wayback Machine, Wakey Leak style? Uh, I had no idea that this has been out for so long, but uh, Tribe Called Quest album, We've Got It From Here, Thank You For Your Service, was released the week before Wakey Leaks. Yep. Uh, that was uh, Fife's kind of posthumous album uh, that, that came out. Yeah, they, and, uh, they they performed that on SNL. That yeah, week which was too. incredible. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll get to SNL here in a second because yeah. that's uh, that was a key story that actually hit here locally. But then the other one was uh, Bruno Mars released Twenty Four Karat Magic the week after Wakey Leaks, and uh, that had a huge impact on the ACC as well as that changed the set list for every band at the <laughs> ACC tournament. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's much like the Sports Chile theme song, if you don't come to the ACC tournament ready to play Twenty Four K Magic, then don't show up. Uh, movies was kind of light at the time. Uh, Moana came out, or Moana. I'm, I'm not sure exactly the correct pronunciation of that. But that Moana. Was big, uh, yeah, Rand big is... kids movie at the time. Moana. Thank you, Rand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, featuring The Rock, ACC legend. Uh, <laughs> I so, so local ties there. Um, and then tying it back to Wakey Leaks, a big, a big movie that was in theaters at the time was Snowden. Mm. Yep. Oliver Stone. Uh, so it, it did not actually tie into Wakey Leaks, but uh, it sets the tone nicely for our ACC Network movie that will be coming out later this year. Um, Rogue One came out in December and Hidden Figures came out in December, but it was kind of a light time frame for uh, for movies. Yeah. Uh, B, do you, re- you remember going to the theater at all around that time or – there's nothing to see. Nah, no. I mean, I do remember seeing Rogue One, though. Do you remember that? Snowden was one of those ones that I'm like, it, give me the documentary over the dramatization. Of, yeah, I never saw the movie all day. Yeah. Uh, TV big events November. The CMAs were on. Uh, Beyonce doing daddy issues with Dixie Chicks was the big talk uh, from from the CMAs. Rand, I gotta ask you this: as our country music uh, expert here, is country like the easiest? genre to cross over into like any non-country artist that does a country track it ends up being like a huge success and it ends up being better than anything any country artists are doing is that a threat to country music or is that like something country people welcome no i think uh you've got two camps you've got the people who are okay with it because you know they're fine with bad music and then they're fine then the, uh, other people who appreciate you know general good songwriters so it's it's gonna happen regardless I don't remember who it was, but I remember specifically Justin Timberlake did a country song on with the Chris CMAs one time. With Chris Stapleton, and, yeah. And, and, and they panned to the audience, and they had a close-up on this one country artist, and I have no idea who it was because I'm not a, a country b- guy, but the look on his face was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be homeless next month. Like <laughs> Justin Timberlake is so much better yeah. at this than anybody else out here. They did a drink, uh, drink You Away, and it, they crushed it. 
uh, I, I do remember them them crushing that song, but that was not 2016. So we'll move on. Being you mentioned SNL, Dave Chappelle hosted Saturday mm-hmm. Night Live that week. I remember that. And our uh, our parent network had a, had a role in some uh, some controversy. WREL actually censored part of his monologue. And uh, I, I remember uh, Hayes, you remember that, right? I remember you talking yeah. about that on Twitter that night. Was Hey, did anybody else's TV just mess up, or was that censored? And then it kind of grew uh, legs from there. And it was because that was a big story. It was following the switch of WRL going from mm-hmm. uh, uh, CBS to an NBC affiliate. So they had just started covering Saturday. Night. In fact, it might have been the first Saturday Night Live. I can't remember exactly when the switch was made. They may have caught some some back in the spring. But yes, they they sort of had to adjust their standards to all right. If we're gonna have a comedy show that airs at eleven thirty, that's very popular. Maybe we can lean off the uh, the dump button for certain phrases now, and and I think they did change their policy. And, and I dug up this quote from WREL Vice President and General Manager Stephen Hamill at the time confirmed the station ducked profanities that did not comply with the station's longstanding internal obscenity policies, and it mentioned Chappelle used two of ten profanities barred under this policy. I have not seen this policy. And I feel like we need that in our inbox yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we need to we need to know the whole policy. We're probably not going to get the Chappelle treatment where they come out and change things because Sports Channel Eight said something. So there are ten there are ten barred profanities. We need that in our emails, and especially get that to Moose uh, pretty much immediately. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, this is us debuted in September. Never seen it, but it's a big show. Uh, another show that debuted that I've never seen is Kevin Can Wait which I think is basically King of Queens, which uh, leads me to the question, how many shows do you guys think have started where some TV exec has just thought of like a title? Like, oh, Heaven Can Wait. Oh, Kevin Can Wait. That's yeah. a show. <laughs> yeah. Let's work backwards from that and write a show and sign Kevin James to do it. Because King of Queens is obviously the same thing where uh, somebody just has that brilliant idea of a title and you need to come up with a show that fits that. King of Queens. and That's how he keeps getting jobs because people come up with clever, two clever titles. As bad as puns as they are as producing television shows, it seems. Exactly. Oh, we got about a minute uh, left in the Wayback Machine, Swain. What else I'm you got I'm going to go with us? a critical one here. A TV show that ended in 2016, The McLaughlin Group, which I had no idea was a real TV show that was <laughs> yeah, not hosted by Danny Carvey. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, so it's a, the be, the best McLaughlin group was actually when they did the music one on Saturday Night Live instead of the actual political panel, and they had uh, with uh, Billy Idol and uh, <laughs> Sinead O'Connor, yes, and Frank Sinatra, <laughs> Frank Sinatra, Harvard and Sinatra was just killing her, uh, and then Broadway, uh, Broadway uh, waitress premiered. Do you have any idea who wrote the music for that, Vermont? Please don't tell me Andrew Lloyd Webber. No, it's the name you can't. It's it's uh, oh, it's Sarah Ellis. Sarah Barry Ellis. <laughs> wow, which is a, which is a throwback to uh, the weekend show. Andrew Lloyd School Webber. Of Rock the musical came out. Which that one, okay. Andrew Lloyd Webber did help with the music, and uh, it's probably his best musical to be honest. Uh, and then that was the year that Hamilton won everything at the Tonys. That is the Wayback Machine. That has been Swain. That is Sports Channel Eight. 
You've been listening to the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. This podcast also drops every weekday at noon. Thanks again for listening to the best of Sports Channel 8, the radio show podcast.